What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Deep Two, a basketball podcast. And that's my dog. She's really excited. A basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA, as well as giving our own spicy to mild takes. We're back after a long summer of traveling and uh, going on vacations and just being busy. And thankfully, we're at a place now in the NBA where there hasn't been much going on. So today we're going to be wrapping up the summer and just kind of talking about all of our favorite offseason moves. But before that, I just want to mention today's August 10th, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ryan Stanley. Ryan, how you been living this summer? Man, up and down, Keith. On the positive side, it's been a wonderful summer. I've done a lot of fun stuff. Got to go to Aruba. I had the whole Barbenheimer experience. A lot of good stuff, man. Got to play guitar at a bunch of little fun things. It's been great, man. But on on the downside, you know, we haven't talked in a while. We haven't. I mean, we've talked, but we haven't potted in a while. And man, I've I've missed our convos. I have we have we done one of these since free agency happened? I know, like we we did a free agency pod <laughs> for everyone at home. We did a free agency pod, uh, which was then undone by the Bradley Beal trade uh, shortly after it was finished, <laughs> which ended up upending several of our things in that pod. Yeah, we had a we had a great plan before we both went on vacation. We were like, we're going to get ahead of things, have this awesome pod ready to roll. And then the day after, Bradley Beal got traded to the Suns and basically everything became irrelevant. So... Um, one day we'll release all the lost deep two pods because there's a couple there's a couple there um, that that would be fun to go back and listen to. But um, no, yeah. So it's it's been a while. It's been a long time. It's I think it was like right after the draft, if I'm not mistaken, that we potted last. So um, a lot has gone on. The whole whole sequence of free agency, as well as some uh, some contract signings and trades. Uh, but like I said, today we're going to be talking about some of our favorite ones, and each of us is going to give three. Um, three off-season, off-season moves that we liked, and maybe even if we didn't like it, maybe it's something that we just thought was pretty, pretty lame, pretty whack. Um, but they might be some. There might be some of the the big, the big name trades, such as the Bradley Bill stuff, um, or maybe it's something as simple as Grant Williams to the Mavericks. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But well, that was my um, number one right there. So, hey, jump in, <laughs> get us started, Ryan. Tell us about Grant Williams. I, I was totally joking, dude. <laughs> I, oh, do, I do not care about Grant Williams going to the Mavericks. Um, so, I, man, a lot of things happened. I, I was looking over uh, the NBA's, like, move wire thing earlier today, and I was like, man, a lot of things happened, and not a lot of them are that interesting, unless you love Jeremy Grant and live in Portland. Then I have great news for you. Um you know, my, my first thing, uh, the thing that I'm kind of most stoked about for free agency and this whole offseason so far, I like, I feel like you probably put this one down too, but I would also, like, not be surprised if you just hated this move. <laughs> I, you're going to have a reaction one way or another, but I love Chris Paul to the Warriors, dude. I'm so stoked. Like, you know, like when a team wins a bunch of championships, they need that veteran guy to, like, rally around and, like, want to try and, like, Win, a, win one more for, like, this guy, you know? They tried that with DeMarcus Cousins, and it obviously didn't work out. But, you know, you like, you get, like, top two point guard of all time and Steph and, like, 
you know, probably a top five point guard of all time in CP3. Like, they're on the same team playing. Like, when do you get this? I know CP3's, like, prime window's kind of gone. But, like, he, he's still capable. Like, he's still giving you good minutes. Essentially, like, fitting into that old, like, Sean Livingston role. Dude, this would be, like, a whole lot of fun. I hope they win one for CP3 this year, you know? Once my team's knocked out of the playoffs, that's what I'm going to be looking for. I think that this is this is happening at the perfect time for anybody who might be a hater of either CB3 or the Warriors because the Warriors are at a point in their you know dynasty post dynasty that you're kind of rooting for them because of their you know they're, there's a bunch of old dudes uh, you know still fighting and still up there and they obviously have Steph who's still at the top of his game um, and and even like I, I listened to uh, podcast P. Uh, the episode with Clay Thompson, and it was cool to hear him talk about, you know, what he was excited about with CP3 coming onto the team, um, and just really unlocking even more of of all these guys. I think that um, it's it's a point to where it's like, if this was like five years ago, I'd be like, man, this is super overpowered and you know, kind of unfair. But now, because of where the state of both CP3 and the Warriors are at, I think it's a perfect fit that isn't isn't so boring to the rest of the league. Like, oh, wow, they're definitely going to dominate. I think it would go either way. I think they could be really good and CP3 be really good for them. Or it could be like, wow, we really see the the effects of age on these guys. I like the timing of this. I'm actually a fan of it. Um, I don't think it's it's not like the KD, KD to the Warriors stuff. It's it's a very different story here. So I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan as well. Sure, sure. And too, like, I mean – this is not, like, I've seen a lot of people say that, like, CP3, like, I mean, I've seen, like, some, like, the, the people that like, post pictures of the lineup and have CP3 as a starter. I'm, I'm on the train that CP3 should not be a starter on this team. I think this is the perfect way for him to ride off into the sunset. This is the best way for him to gracefully take a role on the bench and, you know, let Andrew Wiggins keep his spot in that starting lineup, you know. That's what I'm rooting for. I think, you know, this is a much better way for CP3 to sort of enter this next phase of his career rather than, like, fake a illness or injury on the Suns and then, like, kind of bench him in the playoffs. Amazing. All right. My first my first one I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to go ahead since we've mentioned it, I'm going to talk about Suns landing Bradley Beal. Um, this is one of the early, early offseason moves, even before free agency. Bradley Beal got traded to the Suns from the Wizards um, for Chris Paul. Chris Paul's on the Wizards, ends up going to the Warriors. And so now we're at Bradley Beal to the Suns. Um, so the, the main thing that I'm seeing here was at first we saw a lot of um, a lot of sort of hesitancy and backlash against the Suns because they didn't have much depth. And adding Bradley Beal obviously gives them another offensive, elite, elite offensive talent on that team. Um, but what I really liked about the Suns' offseason is on top of getting Bradley Beal, they also picked up all of these other role players. Um, they signed Eric Gordon for the vet minimum. They signed uh, Yuta the Shooter. You know, he's, he's a great, great addition to that team. So the Suns have, one, picked up one of the best offensive players in the league, and two, also filled around the three offensive talents on their team in Beal, Durant, and Devin Booker, um, and just solved a lot of their depth issues. Chemistry has to be built. Um, you have three guys who are pretty dominant. Um, they can play off ball, uh, but 
anytime you bring in three elite offensive guys, that it's going to take some uh, it's going to take some chemistry building. But I think that the Suns made some good moves here and really built that team well around uh, D Book and Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, um, especially with you know with Beal and KD kind of getting older in age. Um, it's it's a smart move, just really helping them to fill in the holes that they're going to be missing as they get older. Um, with these other role players. So um, I like the Suns offseason. Dude, absolutely. It's it's crazy how, like, after trades, like the KD trade and the, like, Bradley Beal trade, people will look at, you know, this, a team like the Suns who's just acquired two great players and be like, you know, well, now they don't have draft picks for 10 years and now they don't have a bench. And, like, that was certainly something that, like, plagued them, obviously, in the playoffs. Like, they were they didn't have depth at all. But, like, dude, it's, it's crazy how, like, quickly that just turns around. I mean... They've acquired, like, tons of second-round draft picks, which I know don't do a whole lot, but, like, at least they're in the draft again uh, should things go horribly south. They picked up a, a lot of great players on great deals, which seem to be based off more, like, relational stuff than anything. Like, Eric Gordon's, like, close to those guys, and, like, I know, like, the Yuta Wananabe thing was, like, had something to do with KD in Brooklyn and, like, uh, some kind of relationship they have there. So, like, it's, it's crazy, like, you know, you can write off a team's future um, and think they don't have assets. And then within the span of three or four days, they can just like turn it all around and they're a well-rounded, well-constructed team. So they, they had my favorite off season, by the way. I, I really loved what the Suns did, dude. Next. So I'm, I'm going to go with a Laker and I don't like that because I hate, I hate like talking about the Lakers off season moves every year, dude, but I love them signing Gabe Vincent. Like, I love it. I, I think Gabe Vincent, like, as far as fit goes, I mean, like, he, like, I could see him being the best fit for the LeBron AD Lakers for a guard um, that that we've seen so far. I mean, you know, 2020 Rondo, you know, is, is obviously, like, I guess, like, the gold standard there. Um, and obviously, I'm still a huge member of Russ Hive. But, like, you know... Like, Russ, Russ's play style didn't fit in with them. Obviously, like, the Pat Bevs of the world and, like, the other guys that they've sort of cycled through in the last few years um, could offer, like, one thing, but they weren't exactly, like, a, a complimentary fit in the way that you need somebody who can be a secondary ball handler who can just knock down a shot and doesn't need, you know, to be the focal point of your offense, doesn't really need anything to get going. You know, we see with, like, the Miami Heat that Gabe Vincent was just always ready, and that's what you need to be on a LeBron AD team. It's just you need to be the guy who's literally always ready to be, you know, the primary guy for two or three minutes on like a little like, you know, hot streak or um, you need to be the guy who's just standing in the corner for ready to knock down a three and not get the ball for five minutes. And that's, uh, I think Gabe Vincent's the perfect player for that. And I will, I will go ahead and take this opportunity to say like the rest of their signings were kind of awful. Like Jackson Hayes is, is, is not going to play for this basketball team. <laughs> like after December, Jackson Hayes isn't logging any minutes. And like, <laughs> I'm not sure Cam Reddish is getting out of training camp. I rooted for Cam Reddish one calendar year ago and it was tough, dude. Like he barely played on like the trailblazers who ended up with the second pick in the draft, like or third pick in the draft. Um, so like, I, I really didn't like their off season outside of re-signing Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. But like, I love the Gabe Vincent signing. As someone who was, you know, vehemently pulling for the Heat in the finals last year, um, it was sad watching Gabe Vincent sign with the Lakers this summer. 
because I felt like he was such an important part to that heat run. Um, and honestly, you know, with the heat, if we were going like some of the not worst moves, but I guess like uh, worst missed oppor- opportunities, um, the heat losing both Gabe Vincent and Max Struess in this offseason um, is a tough look. But if, it, if they get Dame, I guess it kind of rewrites the whole the whole narrative there. But yes, Gabe Vincent, I think, is a great pickup for the Lakers. I'm hoping that he won't be like one of those, uh, you know, he has a couple of great postseason games and then a team like the Lakers signs him to the, a good deal and then he ends up being a, a it ends up being a fluke and you know everyone's like remember when the Lakers signed Gabe Vincent you know and he's one of those uh, obscure players <laughs> you know irrelevant a couple years from now um, but I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna be the case especially playing with LeBron playing with AD um, he's gonna have a lot of opportunities to elevate their play and um, in turn elevate his own performance as well so I really like that move for them. Um, it's funny because I, <laughs> I feel like the discourse I've heard around the Lakers offseason is a lot of a lot of positivity. But when then whenever you kind of laid it out and put it put it that way, I'm like, yeah, Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes not that's not <laughs> exciting to me. <laughs> no, if that were any of my teams that I pulled for that uh, did that, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, this is this is it right here. <laughs> it's like the definition of like the Lakers hype machine is like they signed two guys <laughs> who like. And I, I looked this up. Like they signed two guys who averaged like seven minutes a game combined on the back half of the season. Like their teams were like barely even competing and still weren't playing these guys. My next off season that I want to highlight is the Dallas Mavericks. So um, last season we saw the Dallas Mavericks kind of disappoint, um, especially when you have when you have two players like Luca and Kyrie who are so phenomenal um, and talented. You expect them to get further than the 11 seed, um, but that is where they ended up last year. Um, a lot of that had to do with the depth that they lost in gaining Kyrie. Uh, but this offseason, um, they've actually they've actually done some stuff. And I, I know we joked about it earlier on, but um, getting Grant Williams um, was a good move. Now, four years, $54 million, sounds like a lot for Grant Williams, um, I, will, I will have to admit. But... You know, he is a he's a guy as, as, you know, likable, unlikable as he may be. He is a guy that that puts in the work and um, is, is a dog on defense and isn't afraid of of the biggest moments, as we've seen on the Celtics these past couple of years with him. Um, so I think that move was good for them. Uh, but honestly, one of the sleeper moves of the offseason to me is uh, the Mavs signing Seth Curry. Um, so he's, he has actually been on the Mavs before, um, so he's making his return, play next to Luka, um, uh, just another shooter um, next to these guys who, you know, before the before or this offseason in the last season, they didn't have anybody really to defer to. You know, Seth Curry is a guy who can get you 15 to 18 points every single night um, and just be a, a consistent offensive um, performer um, just to – allow Luca and Kyrie to continue to do their thing and also have these guys on the side. So I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with the Mavs offseason. I think that they are going to bounce back in a pretty significant way this season. I could see them being um, at least a playoff team, top six, uh, maybe even better than that if Luca steps his game up even more. Um, but the, the caveat to all that is <laughs> Kyrie, um, if he decides to get bored and – not not give his all this could be uh another another disaster season for the Mavs but overall I think this offseason was success for them yeah I almost put Seth Curry as one of my picks for this but like dude honestly like 
if if Seth Curry signed with your team, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I guess like if he signed with my team, I would be stoked. Like, I'd love to have Seth Curry at that number. You know, I think anybody would. Uh, so that's always a sign of a good offseason if you're the, the annual team that signs Seth Curry. Um, you know, we get four games of Dylan Brooks versus uh, versus Grant Williams, so that's going to be sweet. I hope that that's a, a rivalry that takes off in between the Texas states. And uh, I agree. I think that, you know, the Mavs were kind of against the wall, and they came out better than most people expected this offseason. And, um, you know, Luca's still young. He can still make a leap. Yeah, honestly, I I don't know what they're going to get from Kyrie. They might get, you know, who knows? Honestly, like, I mean, he he could um, outperform everyone's expectations of like a longer sample size because he really didn't play a whole lot of games for the Mavs last year. Um, so that pairing is still, I think it's still too early to really have a judgment on those two guys playing together. But yeah, I'm excited. I think that the the Mavs are going to be a significantly better team. And when you have one of the best young stars in the game, that's uh, that's exciting, you know, to surround them with talent and make them a contender. Dude, this is going to be near and dear to your heart, and it's going to be uh, also extraordinarily um, probably uh, unexciting um, to most people. <laughs> but I, for one, am excited to see Patrick Beverly on the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. <laughs> 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 I, I couldn't. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Can't lie. <laughs> Trying to do something different, man. Um, sorry, I didn't give the people what they want. But I'll give you. <laughs> I'll do a side pod with thirty minutes on Dante Divincenzo. Um, no, but <laughs> Pat Bev, dude, like he's he's just bringing a different flavor to Philadelphia. They need that. They need like a dude who's just going to come in and yell at everybody and like not let people take nights off. He needs like, they need like a spirit of the team. Cause I think Joel's whole act has kind of like soured, you know, it's like, I and mean, even he's not like doing like the, the trust the process posts anymore. He's not like insulting other players on his Instagram anymore. Like they need like a new heart and soul there. Just a, just an engine. Even, even if you're getting like 16 minutes of Pat Bev, just coming in and fouling people a game, they just need that. Like Philadelphia needs that kind of, energy around their team you know when it comes to playoff time he probably won't get a lot of minutes but you know what i think that this is the kind of move that's just it's going to help spark the 76ers team or joel and beat will get traded in the next few weeks and, <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes pat bev's team <laughs> which you rooted for pat bev's team at one point last year so <laughs> i did i did hey he was he was a pleasant surprise for us bulls fans I was I was pleasantly surprised by uh by his his not not really his play but <laughs> um his his ability to light a fire underneath his teammates his teammates' butts so um <laughs> I like that I like that it's a little little left field yeah and, every, that's what we need everybody needs one of those dudes that like isn't that good but like you you love them because they tried hard for your team you know <laughs> like for me it's always gonna be Marcus Morris and you know as Oh, as shameful as yeah. it is, there's there's an Ennis Cantor moment or two in there that I <laughs> I can't quite shake. Um, it, it, you know, it happens. Everybody has those players. Oh yeah, like you know the Doug McDermott's of the world. We listen, <laughs> me, you, and Zach. We all share the Doug McDermott moments. <laughs> oh man, I love it. 
All right, the last offseason move I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go a little bit left field too. I could you know you, we could talk about the the popular the we've talked about some popular ones. We could just talk about popular ones all day, but everyone's heard that. So I want to talk about a team that we don't talk about a lot on this podcast, and that's the Indiana Pacers. So the Pacers signed Bruce Brown to a two year deal, which was so funny because <laughs> at the Nuggets championship parade, Mike Malone, who was you know by all accounts not in his right mind due to um, <laughs> due to alcohol and other things that um, he was consuming during that day. Um, he was, you know, uh, bantering with the fans about, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep this guy around, you know, he's not going anywhere. And then a couple of days later, after, after the championship uh, celebrations die down, he agrees to a two year deal uh, with the Pacers. Um, but, Big win for the Pacers. Their whole offseason was, I think, you know, it, it was not super loud, not super significant, but um, re-signing Tyrese Halliburton, or not re-signing, but extending Tyrese Halliburton to five years to $16 million, something like that. Um, and they also uh, he, they also picked up Obi Toppin from your Knicks, who I know that you've had some you've had some some memories with him, some some moments with him. I think uh, maybe a new uh, a new environment for him might be the spark that he needs to. Uh, um, maybe actually achieve some of the things that he wasn't necessarily achieving with the Knicks because of the, I think that he was just kind of over, overshadowed by the better forwards um, on, in New York. So I think the Pacers had a, had a pretty solid offseason. And really the reason I uh, want to highlight them is, you know, looking into this coming season. Um, if you look back at this past season, they were honestly um, pretty, pretty good contenders for that one of those top six spots before Halliburton got injured. Um, and obviously when he went down, you know, they, they kind of tanked from there. Um, but with, with him healthy and with um, all those young guys, uh, Ben Matherin, um, and now adding in Obi Toppin, uh, Bruce Brown, um, they lost Chris Duarte, but, um, you know, all, that team is still just very, um, very well constructed, especially with Halliburton at the, at the helm. And I'm excited to see what they can do in this coming season. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a well-constructed team and, I will say I always worry about the teams that are built around like young guys, you know, like I feel like you, you need one or two like real veteran voices in the locker room. Um, I'm trying, like, I guess the closest thing they have to that's like TJ McConnell maybe, but like, you know, they, I, it always, it always does worry me about like a team's trajectory. And I feel the same way about teams like, like the OKC Thunder and like the Orlando Magic where it's like at some point you're hoping to get better just because your players get better as they get older and inevitably like some of them just won't you know like um like you know they're like I think Benedict Matherin is is awesome like he's one of my favorite players last year um just getting to see him like immediately look great in the league but like you know he like last year might be the best year of his career that he ever has you know you never know with, with young guys like that um it's not a guarantee that they'll always get better but I do like, you know, when teams just constantly go out and get relatively young guys. Like, Bruce Brown's only been in the league, like, four years or something like that. Like, you know, getting relatively young guys. Obi Toppin's a former lottery pick who has played very well, you know, when he's gotten minutes. Um, so, you know, it it still remains to be seen. They could be an awesome team. Um, you know, it does, does worry me a little bit, you know, for Tyrese Halliburton's future, even though I'm supposed to be enemies with him. Um <laughs> but you know, I, I will say, like, 
Knicks fans have always pointed out the the starter uh, stat lines, like basically the stat lines when Obi Toppin starts. I know he like I like I know that his points per game is like above twenty, like it's like twenty one or like twenty two or something like that. Um, it's like seven rebounds. Like he's an amazing knockdown shooter, but you know he was just drafted the same year that Julius Randle became an All NBA player, and they're like the exact same kind of player. And you don't you don't need two of those guys, especially when one's you know young and needs minutes. So um, <laughs> I'm just bracing for it. There's going to be moments this year where he's going to throw down some insane dunk off of like a lob and Tyrese Halliburton, and uh, I'm. I'm going to tell myself that I'm happy for him, but you know, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss like the, them chanting for him in the garden. Like there's like a real moment during that Hawks series a few years ago where like, um, that one game we won, he threw down like this huge dunk and everybody's cheering for him. And like his parents were like Knicks fans, like grow like his whole life and everything. Cause they're like from New York and they're like crying in the stands. They said that, that was like one of the best moments of their life. And that's the kind of things that like, it just sucks when that, gets taken from you, but uh, happy for him. You know, it's going to be awesome on the face. Before we head out of here, Ryan, I got a question for you. Was your least favorite move of the off season, the Rockets signing Dylan Brooks <laughs> or the Celtics signing Kristaps Porzingis? Wait, <laughs> your mic seemed to cut out after you said uh, the Celtics signed and then it just made the buzz, <laughs> made like a loud static sound and I couldn't really understand. Um, We've had this running bit for like uh, six years, I guess now, <laughs> where I pretend to not know who that player is. Um, dude, I, I'm happy for Dylan Brooks, honestly. Like, I felt like the hate was going too far. Like, he was way too good of a player to like not be in the NBA anymore. Um, for sure. Now his contract's ridiculous. So I, I guess it's the Boston trade because like. One, oh, I, I have so many complicated feelings, dude. Like, so, Christoph Porzingis has, like, come out and, like, publicly said that he regrets asking for a trade out of New York. Like, that, that's been, like, a thing. Like, he was like, you know, I was young, I was being influenced by too many people, and I wish I still lived there and played there. And so it's hard to still be mad at him. But also, like, he plays in Boston, and there's just something about that combo that I hate so much, dude. I hate it. Because it's like, like, I, ah, dude, I just, I can hear, like, Boston sports fans, like, loving him. And I know he's going to have some good games. And, I, yeah, it, it sucks. Especially because, like, he's been getting closer and closer to the player that people thought he was going to be. And it was, like, fun when he, like, sucked in Dallas and when he, like, kind of sucked that first Washington year. But now he's, like, getting better and better and I'm just like dang it <laughs> like like there was like that small window like his third year in the league where it was like he was an all-NBA player and he was an all-star and it was like oh we have a guy and now it's like he's kind of getting back to that it's like oh I hate it so yeah Celtics watchers are going to be insufferable this season if Kristaps Porzingis is any any good at all <laughs> well on the plus side after this new like CBA kicks in or whatever they're going to be locked into like Jalen Brown making like <laughs> Bill Gates money. So <laughs> I can't wait for that. I I love, I love, uh, you know, just our, our like every podcast shout out to the man, but I love, uh, there's a Bill Simmons tweet the other day where he said something about how 
Jalen Brown cut his hand. Maybe he said this on his pod. He said that, like, he cut his hand last offseason, and that contributed heavily to him losing the ball so much while he was dribbling. <laughs> and it's like, like, how delusional can you be? Because, like, does he cut his hand every offseason? <laughs> like, does he just cut his hand, like, all the time? Because it's not like it was just this offseason. It's, like, literally been his whole career. You cannot show me one Jalen Brown j- dribbling highlight. <laughs> That is going to do it today, everybody. We're excited to be back and continuing to talk NBA hoops. You know, until October, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picturing too much else going on. So uh, we're going to be doing some we're going to be doing some out of the box sort of things in these next couple of weeks. Um, you know, maybe just doing some some legacy stuff. You know, just just talking about talking about the past and and what we've seen, and maybe some maybe we'll actually give some really really spicy takes because sometimes. Sometimes we talk about mild to spicy takes, but I feel like our takes are, haven't gotten super spicy quite yet. Um, I know I have some stuff that will ruffle, ruffle some feathers, um, and so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where this goes. But, Ryan, as always, it's a pleasure talking hoops with you, and we hope to see you all next time. Shout out to Jordan Poole's Washington Wizards. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep2Pod. That's Deep, the number two, pod. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring the latest in the NBA and all of our mild to spicy takes. Catch you next time here at Deep2. Deep2.